Welcome to the Future is Fun podcast with your hosts, Brian Olds and Danielle Tucker. Buckle up as we explore the latest emerging technologies, business trends, and fascinating discoveries that are shaping our world today. Are you ready? Let's dive in and see what the future has in store. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Future is Fun podcast. This is episode five. And uh, as always, I'm joined with my incredible co-host, Danielle Tucker is in the building. And uh, you can probably see if you're watching uh, on the YouTube version, Danielle is joined by a very special guest uh, who's going to be joining us for the first part of the segment. And that is her husband, Davarius Tucker in the building. What's going on, guys? Hey, what's going on, Brian? Doing good. So happy for our episode today. Excited to have Devarius as our guest, guest, uh, podcast guest here on the Futures Fun podcast. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Devarius, you're part of history. You're the second guest ever uh, to appear on our show. And uh, I think it's very appropriate because today, episode five, we're going to be talking about the future of space travel. And uh, a part of that, we're going to be recapping our trip to uh, the U.S. Space and Rocket Center in Huntsville. And uh, I went with you guys. You guys basically hosted me when I went down there. So I'm super excited that uh, you both could kind of be here for the beginning of the podcast. So um, looking forward to this. And so just as a disclaimer to everybody listening to this, this is actually our second time recording this uh, podcast. The first time the software didn't want to play nice. And so we're doing it again. And the reason I'm even bringing that up is because we, we're we going to kick off this um, this first portion. And the reason Devaris is here as Danielle's phone a friend is because we're going to play a quick space history game. So talking about the future of space, we thought it would be cool to go back to look at some of the historical milestones that have happened. And so, Danielle, are you ready to play again? Um, Yes. The first time I was mediocre. And (laughs) this time, I still don't know if I remember everything, but that's why I have Devarius as my phone a friend. So this should be fun. Absolutely. Well, I got 10 questions for y'all. Let's go. So the first question is, uh, when was the first ever rocket launch the first uh liquid propelled rocket launch and so give us the decade that you think it happened in and then we'll get to the year first rocket launch uh what what do you think what decade so 19 i want to say 1960s okay i vote 1960s too all right it is actually 1920s. It happened what? in the 1920s. Oh. Way back, way, way, way back. All right, so you get another guess. What what year in the 1920s you think it might have happened? 1922. All right. No, kind of close. It was 19, it was March 16th, 1926. Okay. Uh, Robert Goddard, which is notable because I live in Maryland. So we have the Goddard, the NASA um, Goddard Space and Rocket Center or the not Goddard Space Center. They're going to probably sue me for that. But <laughs> <laughs> he was actually the scientist uh, involved with uh, creating the first liquid propelled rocket. And there are actually ever lot rockets uh, way earlier than that. OK, question two. Um, we're talking about satellites now. So we are jumping ahead quite a bit in history, just as a hint. We're jumping ahead. So uh, when was the first artificial satellite launched? Um, when was the first artificial satellite put into orbit around Earth? I'm going to say in the 1950s. What do you think? I want to say the 60s. 
Okay, what is it? All right. Danielle hit the nail on the head. It was in the oh. 1950s. But, <laughs> <laughs> but not too far off. So what year do you think it happened? 1951. All right. The virus is actually closer because it oh. happened in 1957. Uh, and it wasn't even the United States. It was the Soviet Union. They launched the first satellite. It was called Sputnik 1. Yep. <laughs> so I'm actually going to consolidate this. I'm going to do five questions instead of 10 so we can keep it moving. Okay. Uh, let me pick a juicy one. Okay. Who, what, when did the first astronaut um, go into space? Decade first. When was the first astronaut sent into space? Human 1960s? Device? I vote the same thing, 1960s. Look at look at the marriage. Like look at the 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 um the unity, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. It was in the 1960s. And yeah, what year did it happen? Uh 1968. All right, not quite. It was May 5th, 19. 61 oh. uh americans this time um clutched that um clutched the w on that because alan shepherd um became the first astronaut to go to space all right this one should be a little easier um one of the more famous milestones the first person to ever set foot on the moon um i think we had a little preview of this when we went to the u.s space and rocket center too because we got to do that vr experience but what decade did the first person go to the moon the 60s. I want to say in the 70s. Yeah, I want to confer with each other. <laughs> okay, we'll go with 60s. All right, listen to your husband, ladies, because it is the 60s. You are correct. <laughs> listen to that. <laughs> Hop up. <laughs> little marriage advice here. Guess what? It was 19. Oh, yeah. What was the year? Sorry, I almost gave it Okay. <laughs> What was the year? I want to say it was 68. Okay, 68. So close. So super close. Was it, it 67? Was so further away than, <laughs> than, than, than where you were before. It was July 20th, 1969. Um, Neil Armstrong, of course, was the first uh, person set foot on the moon in the Apollo 11 mission. So 1969. All mm. right. Last question. Last question. Um, uh, man, which one do I want? Oh gosh. Okay. Um, let's do. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, since we're gonna be talking about this, let's let's do this, and we're jumping ahead a little bit too into almost modern future. <laughs> when were the first components of the International Space Station? Y'all know the International Space Station. Um, it's about to be decommissioned soon. Um, but when were the first components of the International Space Station launched into space? What decade? 70s. I'm gonna say 72. All right. Well, it was much, much further uh, closer. Um, looks like I think I would have been in like um out of his ninth grade. I would have been in ninth grade. Oh well, wow, we're off. <laughs> <laughs> uh it was no uh, well, I, I won't get a date was yet. It in the it was, 90s? It was in the 90s, yes. Wow. The International Space Station is not that old, um, like me. So <laughs> what, what, what year do you think it happened in the 90s? 1992. 
I think I gave it away. Uh, perhaps I said what I said. Did I say the year, or I just said no. I was? I said I was in um ninth grade. Ninth grade. Yeah. So that would require I, some complex I math. I don't know exactly how old you are, so I'm just gonna still say 1992. Yeah, I'm 38, and it was November 20th, 1998 is oh. when it was <laughs> launched. Yes, okay. freshman year, Mergenthal of Vocational Technical Senior High School. It was a good year. Not really, but <laughs> well, I had a lot of fun. All right, Davarius, thank you so much for joining us, man. Do you have anything that you want to add about the future of space travel? Do you have any predictions of what you want to see um, happen over the next uh, 100 years as it relates to space? Yeah, um, one thing that comes to mind is the the AI takeover. <laughs> like, how's that going to you know when you think, when it comes to software development and actually engineering rockets and stuff like that? Like, how's that going to increase productivity? Be curious to know with AI. That's a that's a sweet pull. Go ahead, Daniel. Now I was going to say how that's going to look would be very interesting, <laughs> right? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I think AI is going to be, AI is just going to transform like everything. We had a um, Future of AI episode um, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, yeah, I can't imagine it um, not. I was rewatching like Hidden Figures um, not too long ago. And it's crazy like how, you know, they were doing like really complex calculations on like chalkboard and like in their head, essentially. Um, and then now I feel like with um, artificial intelligence combined with, you know, computing, like just how fast computers are getting. Um uh, we're going to see probably an evolution of that. But Davaris, man, thank you so much for joining us on the kickoff of the Future is Fun um, episode five, man. Appreciate All right. You. Thanks. I'm glad I'm glad I was able to um, be here and everything. We got to bring you back uh, at some point. Um, maybe we do the future of, uh, um, you know, let's uh, pick a topic, man. Maybe future of anime, maybe. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yes. Hey. That would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Mark your calendars, people. All right. <laughs> Talk to you later. See you later. All right. Well, good job, Daniel. I think you did better than last time. You got yeah. uh yeah, you know, this 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 marriage thing works. <laughs> yeah, my phone a friend definitely came through. So that is a good thing for sure. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about the future of space travel. Obviously, there's a lot to unpack, but, you know, we just got some of those historical facts. And I think it is fascinating to me, Danielle, how much has happened um, really in the last like 85 years um, is is kind of the, you know, when we talk about like modern space travel. And so now we're kind of at this point where things are accelerating really, really quickly. Um, the uh international space station that we just mentioned is uh scheduled to be decommissioned by uh 2031 um and so yeah it's it's a lot happening uh obviously we have companies like blue origin spacex um kind of uh taking over the uh future of commercial space travel and apparently there are literally hundreds of other smaller companies that build everything from uh, communication satellites to, you know, they're working on like space hotels. So there is a lot happening. Um, is there anything uh, in particular, before we get into kind of our, our visit to the U.S. Space and Rocket Center, um, I, I'll give you the same question I gave to Davarius. Like, what do you kind of think the next 100 years will be like, or what are you most excited about as it relates to the future of space travel? 
Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of a lot of what I think about is kind of like what I've seen on TV and uh, the series, The Expanse. If for anyone who's listening or who who may be watching on YouTube, Expanse is the series that um, is on Amazon Prime, and it's basically about like hundreds of years in the future where people have like colonized space. People are being born out in space, and it's just like society is like like there's a whole like you know, society living out in space as well as on earth. So like one thing that I think about is like, what will it look like in the future for, uh, you know, for people to be living for extended periods of time, like mass populations of people to be living for extended periods of time out in space. I think that's a very interesting thing to think about. And then also um, you mentioned space hotels, like I after okay so after our visit to the space and rocket center and going on the g-force machine and just kind of like having like a very small taste of like what like g's feel like I'm like okay going down to space in a space hotel could be fun and at the same time I have to overcome the hurdle of going in a spaceship so like I feel like uh it's kind of like a bittersweet thing for me and I also think it could be like a very interesting thing to experience. Well, you know, they they're working on all these different uh, rocket concepts. So okay. right now, the conventional way to get people to space is still strap, you know, a couple tons of dynamite <laughs> underneath of you <laughs> and go, you know, rocketing into the air. But, um, you know, I was looking at this one design where they think you would take off like a conventional aircraft mm-hmm. and then once it gets to a certain altitude then the rockets would pick up and just kind of help you break through um the atmosphere that way so there might be i i think the future of space travel as it relates to things that you're talking about now like space hotels um putting people in kind of like low earth orbit so mm-hmm. to speak it will be more conventional perhaps mm-hmm. than than you know, getting in a rocket. Cause I, I think there's a, going to be a still a small percentage of people that actually sign up to that because there's so <laughs> much that can go wrong. Yeah. But I think it's definitely going to be interesting to see because what you just described, like kind of taking off like a plane and then maybe picking up a uh, speed closer to like exit that, that I think could be, would be very interesting to, to see. So, but yeah, I think, I guess there's only one way to find out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I wonder what companies are going to um, kind of take over because you know how like everything's branded like here on Earth. So like imagine like if I, I could see like Apple having like a logo like sh- shown on the moon, like they're still <laughs> kind of having their own like the first Apple store on the moon and stuff like that, like um, or like Amazon, like how long does it like single day delivery to get your packages <laughs> on the moon? <laughs> like, you know, they, like instead of Amazon Air, it's like Amazon Space. So, you know, yeah. I wonder <laughs> how like other like industries not connected to space will like transform. But I do want to say, um, you know, it's cool seeing Devaris here because we had so much fun at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. Um, like, thank you so much again for hosting me. Um, I got my Artemis shirt here. Thank you, Beverly Johnson, gifted me this, um, who works at NASA, too, and um, is part of Black Speakers Network. But um, you you have been before. Um, I think it had been a while. And um, for those that aren't familiar, can you just talk a little bit about, um, like, what the U.S. Space and Rocket Center is? I know it's also home to... It's in Huntsville, Alabama, which is where you guys are. And um, it's also home of the space camp, too. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, of course. So yeah, you at the US Space and Rocket Center is located here in Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, really, I'll, I'll just give like the really t- easy to understand touristy <laughs> a description. Um, but what it is, is it is a museum where you can go um, book like a day pass and learn all about space history, see a lot of the actual uh, space uh like exhibits of actual rockets and things that were used for space exploration and uh, go and experience like what it would be like to be an astronaut for a day, essentially. So when we went to the Space and Rocket Center, we got to do some VR uh, testing um, as if we were like going into space. They have a few rides there. And then also in the summertime, they have what is called space camp. So this is for, uh, well, actually, when I went to space camp, I was actually an adult. It was like a team building college activity type of thing. They booked it for the day and it was so much fun. But uh, what space camp is, is for, let's say, I would say like high school students, maybe who are interested in like STEM and the space program to kind of have like a first taste of like what it could look like to be in the aerospace industry. So they go, it's like an overnight experience and they learn a lot of really cool things about space exploration. So uh, yeah, that's a little bit about the Huntsville U.S. Space and Rocket Center. It's a really, really cool place. Yeah, it blew my mind. I was just like, I was, I transformed into like a little kid, Um, primarily even just pulling up. uh, You could see it from, well, even going through the airport, in Huntsville, everything's all decorated. It's all space themed. So you instantly feel like you're transported into the future a little bit when you land there. So even if you just have a layover in Huntsville, uh, if you're going through the airport, I, I just highly recommend walking around. But then when you get uh, closer to where we were, there's a huge uh, rocket like sitting outside of the uh, U.S. Space and Rocket Center. So you know that it's you're in like space town country. Um and I think it's so cool that Huntsville has actually built up like a, a space industry there. So I saw like Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, a lot of those like government contractors down there um, have uh, facilities as well. So it just it, it gave me all the and for those that don't know why I'm geeking out, like I I think I mentioned this before, like my, well, I definitely wanted to be like my dream was to work at NASA. Like I wanted to be like an engineer and an astronaut, something. So having an opportunity to be there was just like surreal. Um, but then you mentioned, you know, the U.S. Space and Rocket Center is like a museum, uh, but it's like interactive. So we had the opportunity to do all these different things. So we did the Apollo 11, like the VR experience, mm-hmm. uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, so we strapped on the the VR helmet and you can kind of see first um, person view of that. Um, we did the multi-axis training to your point where it takes you and you get the experience. Uh, do you remember how many G's they said you experienced with that? It was one. I think that one was only one, but it was like all going towards the center of your body. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think um, I, I can't remember exactly how they phrased it, but it is... It's like a barrel roll in space. Barrel roll. Yeah. Like, so if you were in like an uncontrolled thing, you got to kind of um, experience that. Um, The G-Force Accelerator, which um, was insane. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Please describe what were, what was your thought process 
as soon as we were in there and it strapped on and the lights went off, please, that, can you please like narrate for us your, your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. My thoughts were, you know, I was at peace. If that would have been like my last, you know, experience, <laughs> you know, at least it was with you guys. Like if we, <laughs> because here's, here's the thing, like you go into what can only be described as like an actual spaceship. Like <laughs> yes. it, it, it's loud. It's like a lot of, um, but they, you know, you stand up, it's a ride. You stand up, you're strapped to the wall essentially. And they give you all these instructions, like don't, um, you know, put your arms out or whatever. <laughs> and so I have no idea what's going to happen but it's essentially a centrifuge. So imagine being strapped to the um, side of a really big um, washing machine. machine. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. It was loud. It was. And, and, and so, you know, as it picks up speed, you start, we started lifting up. Right. And the floor, like you're no longer standing on the floor. You're like being suspended in air, but you're still strapped in. Uh, and they're like, you know, yell if you want to get off. And <laughs> meanwhile, so, <laughs> there's these little kids in there. And I'm like, I'm not going to be the guy to yell. Oh, and this yeah. is like seven year old, like, you know, in there having You're a good like, time. It's <laughs> like, I'm not going to be the one to yell stop. But I wanted, I, I kind of wanted off like halfway through. But I was like, man. And then to your point, they turn off the lights. Yes. So now not only are you. So it's one of those exercises where. I think as humans, Danielle, and let me know your thoughts on this. I think it's it's very rare where you have to kind of just give up complete control over your own body, your own whatever. Like, I mean, I guess you can argue you do that in a plane because you're strapped yeah. in, but it's a lot more comfortable. You can see. <laughs> but in this situation, this is one of the reasons why I don't ride like carnival rides, the ones that are like pop up and go from town to town. Like, I don't want to ride something that Jim built like, <laughs> you know, 24 hours ago. And, you know, there's like three screws loose. Like, I, I'm not on that. So, um, but it was really interesting. But I, I think the giving up control part was the challenging part for me. What, what was your experience with it? Well, as soon as it got up to three G's, that's when I was like, why did we get on this ride? <laughs> because I was like starting to feel the pressure of the blood rushing to my head. And I was like, oh my gosh, why? <laughs> why did I, like, I'm pretty sure I was the one who was like, yeah, guys, this is going to be so much fun. Like, let's do this. And then you and Davarius were like, okay. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, why did I even convince us to get on this? <laughs> But, um, you know, after it was over, it was like totally okay. I was like, you know, I had, had to like take a breath and I was like, okay, well, that would probably be a lot better than doing the space shot. So I was like, okay, it was either that or the space shot. And I was not about to be shot up. At, I don't know how, how many G's that would have been, but I was not about to be shot up and then dropped straight back down. So I didn't see anybody get on that. Huh? I didn't see anybody getting on that. I don't even no, know if it was open. No one was uh, getting on that ride. But yeah, I, I, I'm I'm okay. Um, do you like roller coasters though? Are you like a roller coaster person or no? You know, when I was younger, I I liked the idea of roller coasters, and then I would always like chicken out at the last second. And since like in my adulthood, I haven't really gone on very many roller coasters. But I imagine that maybe I I would at least give it a shot. Yeah. I may give it a shot, like, but it has to, it depends on like what type of roller coaster, like it can't be like a six flag type of roller coaster. It has to be like, like 
a Disney type of roller coaster, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like something that doesn't look so scary. So no loopy loops. Yeah, none of those. Or at least don't let me see it. Yeah, I, I'm in a unique position because I like speed and we're like way off topic, but I like speed, <laughs> but I don't necessarily like height. That's the problem. Oh, yeah. So I can go like if ground speed, like I'm fine. We're going 600, 700. Like I can go fast, but like height combined doesn't. And I get why they do it, but it just doesn't feel great to me. So also being as tall as I am, like you and me and Devarius, I think are about the same height. Yeah. Even though. They're like, okay, this is safe. It looks like I'm about to be <laughs> decapitated or my leg's about to go smash into one of those beams. And that is not a good feeling. Like, I don't oh like gosh. it. So I never thought about it from the perspective of a tall person. <laughs> yeah, most of the world don't. Like, we don't think the, the entire world is built for people who are five five. Like that's like the app, like, you know, shirts, you know, uh, mm basements like nothing's really built for like if you're like over six foot the assumption is you know you just figure it out and if you're under five five the assumption is you figure it out but like the world <laughs> is kind of built for this like margin you know um, from but, from a space exploration perspective i wonder if there's like a specific height that most astronauts like they try to have most astronauts be at like when they're doing their training or whatever like do you know the answer to that I don't. I probably we could probably look it up real quick. Um, while we're looking at that, I did find out something interesting um uh, recently, which is um, did you know that when you get launched into space and when you first like go aboard like the International Space Station, for example, you experience like this uh, I think they call it like puffy face. No. Yeah, so your face actually puffs up. And the reason why is that um when you're on Earth, so two two things. Um one I think a common misconception is that when you're in um, on the International Space Station, you are actually experiencing like true zero gravity and you're really not. The reason why you're in your reason why you're able to float on the International Space Station is because the entire International Space Station is actually in a perpetual state of free fall. So it's in a geosynchronous orbit with the Earth. So it's going this way, but it's also going this way. And so it just so happens that by the time the space station gets to the place where it would have um, hit the earth, the earth has already moved. So it's not, it's, it's always falling. And so when you get up there, um, that's actually how they um, simulate the space travel as well. They put astronauts in an airplane and the airplane goes up and does that parabolic like loop, same thing. And so when you do go to space though, you experience this puffy face because your body is used to, like our bodies are naturally equipped to operate in um, Earth's gravity. And now when you get into this simulated um, G, zero G gravity environment, your um, the fluids and stuff that normally would be pumped down go into your face. And it takes uh, several weeks for it to um, like come back down. So everybody wow. has this like puffy face for the first couple of weeks. It's really interesting. That is interesting. Hmm. <laughs> I was like, man, I don't know. I don't want my face to get any more puffy, but, you know, I will take it for the views. Um, apparently, there's nothing like, uh, like, I, I hear of so many astronauts describe what it's like to see the curvature of the Earth for the first time. And apparently, it's supposed to be this very majestic, very almost like spiritual um, experience that... Uh, everybody should get a chance to see 
Wow. I don't see, I I feel like we got a small taste of that when we did the Apollo 11 VR experience at the USA Space Rocket Center. But of course, like it would be a completely different thing to actually be in space and seeing it like in real time. So, wow. so, ju so just for the record, you would go to like given the opportunity, you would go to space. <laughs> I don't know. Tavarius, <laughs> <laughs> <Navarius>, come back. <laughs> I should have asked like them a that. Fifty fifty at this point. <laughs> oh well, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. It, it, now, is is it the reason because? What, what's the reason? Is it the technology? I just like or? having my feet on the ground. <laughs> like, I feel like if I were like in space, like, I don't know the idea of being in like this black, like everything that you see is just like pitch dark. And then you see, but you can see the earth. Like, I don't know. That seems like it'd be really cool. And also potentially really scary all at the same time. Now, what about, cause this is actually future of space travel um so part of and actually i think we just got the announcement that nasa um uh origin blue origin um jeff bezos's company just got the contract to do the lunar mm -hmm. um mission so elon and um starship they're doing they're getting ready for mars but you know the moon is the first stop to mars anyway so um would you feel more comfortable on a lunar like if there was like a lunar base that kind of was like a, a lunar hotel if you will so you're still on the ground but you get a chance to like bounce around and do all this <laughs> stuff like would that be a little better than just you know on like a a spaceship or on a space station i don't know i feel like i mean mars is sounding even more exciting than the moon at this point but <laughs> oh, um i feel like yeah, because like my initial thought was like if I were to be like in the International Space Station or something like that, just like kind of experience like the orbit, like going around the Earth, like that would be interesting. And wow, like going to the moon. Hmm. I guess I never really thought about it before. Like, would that would would I do that? I honestly I don't know. Because like, the reality just, is you you're probably gonna get the opportunity at least in your lifetime. Hmm. So, okay. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe I should, hmm, maybe I should consider it, but yeah, like, hmm, it's an interesting thing to think about. Like yeah. if I had the opportunity, would I go to the moon? Maybe I so, know. Oh, good. Well, I was going to ask people to drop in the comments. Let us know if, if you like, what do you, what's your current comfort level with traveling to space? Would you do space station, moon, Mars, or beyond like generational ship type of thing drop it in the comments to let us know but yeah go ahead yeah i feel like mars sounds more exciting than the moon like growing it like like when i think about mars i think about like okay what if we like grow some like crops or i don't know i just think about like colonizing it i guess uh but you're thinking about real estate values yeah <laughs> like i can I'm have like, a whole crops. continent to myself yeah <laughs> Like that'd be cool, but I, I again, like I'm also thinking about the expanse, which is that series. But you know, I don't know. I mean, I get, it's good that we're having this conversation because you know, many years from now, like these are probably conversations that people will probably be having on a more regular basis. So, absolutely. <laughs> well, apparently, there are a lot of technical challenges that exist to still getting us to Mars. So even though um, Elon uh, and SpaceX. Um, they just had the first 
um, somewhat successful test of the um, Starship uh, rocket. It's the most powerful rocket like ever built. Um, and I know he has a, a goal to, I think they, they have a goal to build like one of those per week or something like that. Um, but there's still a lot of technical challenges. So even once you get to Mars or just the journey to Mars itself is like very dangerous because um, there's radiation in space. And the longer you people exist in space, to your point, your muscles start to atrophy. So, you know, even on the International Space Station, they have to work out like every day for like 90 minutes to two hours just to make sure you they don't lose as much uh, muscle mass. Uh, but your your bones start to like lose density and stuff. So the longer we, we really don't know the long term effects of uh, deep space travel um, as it relates to how humans would fare um, in the very inhospitable void of space. It's a very <laughs> dangerous space place. Um, and if something goes wrong, you know, there's no uh, there's no tow truck. There's no uh, <laughs> there's no triple A for like space. You just going to be out there for a little bit. Um, yeah. So it, um, there's a couple other challenges, too. I just wanted to, to touch on. Um, did you hear about kind of this? Um, the problem that they're having now, um, which is, this has been an issue, but I think it's getting worse with just the increased number of satellites and everything that we send into space, uh, space junk. Mm -hmm. um, so apparently that's becoming a big problem now because um, the way we have, you know, in humans, this is a very human thing, just like we did with the oceans and everything else. Like we you know, any pick a natural resource and we'll figure out a way to kind of pollute it. But uh, now there are all these objects just um, floating around in low earth orbit. And so it presents um, significant challenges to um, space launches overall, because if you get hit by one of these um, objects, even if it's a tiny little like speck of, um, of paint, it can do significant damage to uh, whatever it is that it hits. And so um, one of the things that I didn't realize that um, countries were doing is instead of, so the International Space Station, when we say like they're decommissioning it, they're going to crash it into the ocean. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, a point called uh, Point Nemo where they just, you know, crash it into the ocean. And then most of it burns up in Earth's atmosphere and the rest goes. But um they some countries also um blow up their satellites in space and it produces like all this deb debris and so between that and also just other satellites that we lose like contact with there's a lot of junk floating around up there so much so that you know we try our best to track it but you can never be like a hundred percent wow okay why blow it up though for confidentiality reasons or something uh, I guess I know Russia, um, just did one. Um, and let me see if I can find it because I think what they, it, it's like a test. Um, so I forget what they call it, but basically it's, um, it's like, if they have to do it, then they, they want to know that they have the capability to do it. Um, but part of the problem is that, um, 
these countries like we don't really talk to each other like they kind of have like spaces like sovereign like territory so every country kind of gets to decide their own set of rules and parameters so it's not like they're going to call nasa and be like hey we're about to blow up this you know satellite and tomorrow they just do it china yeah. they just do it um us you know we've done we've done it before so yeah i'm not exactly sure but uh, if y'all know, drop us in the comments while they're blowing up <laughs> rockets. Uh, why they? Why they? It just it seems very irresponsible. Um, but you know that's kind of where we are. But as we kind of wrap up the show, I know some of the things that we're. I'm I'm personally looking forward to like the space tourism side because, um, you know I would love to have a birthday party in space. I would <laughs> love to. Uh, they're working on like you said the space hotels and um one of the companies now is focused on uh creating uh simulated gravity in space so the way the space station will be set up it'll spin in such a way that you won't even be aware that you are um you know in space because you can be able to walk around like you would here on earth wow now that sounds cool <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I would I would be willing to try that. <laughs> the simulated gravity? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I mean, and again, these are actual companies that are working on this now. And, um, you know, I got, <clears throat> I got to figure out a way to, to get mm -hmm. some angel investor funds, like used yeah. <laughs> in some of these companies. Cause I think some of them are going to do really, really well. And they also talk about, there's still this idea of like a space elevator, which, you know, you could, you know, kind of take to the, to the edge. Um, but the the main problem with all of this stuff is just like lowering costs. And so I think what Elon has done with SpaceX has essentially um by being able to, you know, reuse um the rockets um and boosters to get to space, he's able to significantly cut um the the amount of money that it takes to um to get up there. So um uh, we should be looking pretty good. Um so yeah, I, I think the future of space, my 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 kind of final prediction is I think the future of space is bright. I think uh to Devaris's point, uh, some of these other technologies that are um that are kind of being uh ushered in right now are um going to just accelerate it. I think part of the challenge is that not to challenge, but I think one of the misconceptions about space is that it's kind of separate from what's happening down here. And it's all really, really connected. Our ability to our ability to push the cutting edge of competency to get us to Mars. There's so many innovations, so many technologies that get funneled back here. Uh, we learned about one while we were at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. Remember the WD-40 example? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was like, um, I think... W, w WD and WD forty stands for water displacement, and it's uh it was the fortieth iteration of that you know product, and it was created because of the space industry, and but now we get to use it on Earth like all the time. So there's all these different products and services that we get to that improve the quality of life here on Earth. So you know for people that are just kind of like oh well, you know we should just focus on what's happening here. Um, I think that's a dangerous mindset because. You know, particularly, again, the way humans mess up stuff, there's no guarantee that the earth is going to be here forever. And in addition to that, um, I think our ability to just, um, you know, 
boldly go where no man has gone before. Uh, it it does something to the human spirit to be able to um, to you know stretch our sense of imagination, our sense of um, accomplishment, our sense of like technical advancement. Like it does something good um, for kids to say hey, you know, this is something that we could shoot for. So I'm all about it. Obviously, I'm on the space train, like, sign me up, like, let's get it. <laughs> yes, I would say my, my, like, predictions or, or, uh, or so would be um, just around the idea of the average person having conversations, like normal everyday conversations about going to space. Like, I think your question about like, would you go to the moon? Would you go to Mars? Like, I think that was a very interesting reflection because like up to this point, like I never really gave it a thought because I didn't think it was a possibility, you know? And now it's like, okay, hearing about the things that are happening with, you know, SpaceX, Blue Origin, you know, and how they're really, uh, you know, taking steps to make it even more, I guess, available and like in the future, like, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how conversations evolve and how, you know, like, just the everyday interactions that people have, like what that will look like in, re in relation to like, space travel, going to space, you know, and all all of that stuff. So that's what I would say my biggest takeaway. And, you know, like the from the prediction side of it, like, um, you know, I don't know, like, what will conversations look like, you know, in the next 20, 50, you know, like 50 years or so, like, what will those conversations look like? I think it will be very interesting to see. I just want space mail. I want to get mail yeah. in space and then I'll, I'll <laughs> just be. Just give me space mail. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I think that's very um, astute observations there. So, yeah, we'll keep the conversation going, but tell us, you guys tell us. Uh, what you think the future of space travel is going to be, what are you excited about, what are you afraid of, and, um, you know, uh, let's let's keep the conversation going in the comments. But that kind of wraps up this episode. Uh, the future is fun. And uh, again, we highly recommend uh, checking out the uh, U.S. Space and Rocket Center down in Huntsville, Alabama, when you get a chance and uh, and and get yourself some um, some some hours logged on the uh <laughs> multi-axis trainer and the uh what's the other thing the uh the G -force G -force accelerator, accelerator. <laughs> all right guys we're done uh so uh I, I kick it to you danielle to to take us home thanks everyone and until next time keep dreaming keep innovating and we'll see you in the future <laughs>